Champion Report, and I'm your host, Maureen Aylward. Our topic is boating issues off Sand Dollar Cove in Manchester by the Sea. My guests, Greg Federspiel, Town Administrator, Manchester by the Sea, Chris Bertoni, the mm-hmm. Conservation Administrator mm-hmm. in Manchester, and also Bion Pike, the Harbor Master in Manchester. Welcome to Cape Ann Report. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you very much. It's an important issue. I know it's the middle of winter, but <laughs> let's talk about boating. <laughs> it's good diversion. Keeps us, gets us through the cold weather. That's right. We're thinking uh, warm weather right. and uh, lovely times um, in, in Manchester. Uh, there's an issue with boating traffic, I guess, that has grown over time in Sand Dollar Cove. And uh, I'd like, you know, Greg, could you start with setting sort of the overall uh, issue that Manchester by the Sea is experiencing right now in that area? Sure. So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful area. It's right at the mouth of our harbor. Um, the cove uh, has a very uh, nice sandy bottom with uh, some, some areas of eelgrass, which we'll talk about a little later. Um, so it's a popular area for people to come to boat. Um, they uh, come and, and anchor for the day and enjoy swimming, picnicking, being with their friends. Um, and the, the challenge is it's, it's grown in popularity. And Bayan can speak mm-hmm. to some of the numbers, but um, it's become a very popular spot. And, and as all popular areas, it may be becoming too popular in terms of being able to keep it a safe place as well. So it's, it's a sort of classic case of of balancing the rights of boaters to use a, a, a very nice area, but also the challenge of making sure that people stay safe while they're there. Mm-hmm. The safety is an issue, um, but let's, uh, Bayan, could you talk a little bit about the growth of, uh, as Harbor Master, what you've seen happen over the last several years? Certainly. Uh, I started as the Manchester Harbor in 2012, and we would see on a busy weekend day over at Sandala Cove as many as 25 boats, largely residents, uh, folks who'd been going there for generations, participating in that activity. And uh, the next year, it doubled. I would see as many as 50 boats out there. Doubled again uh, a year later to 100 boats. And that's when we started seeing impacts uh, to the other boaters in the harbor uh, because of that increased volume of traffic. Uh, We've doubled uh, again to 200 and now actually have experienced a 300 boat day. Uh, It really started in 2012 when Marblehead had had, uh, an experience with rafting vessels that caused a a hazard to navigation. And the town town of Marblehead put in some rules and regulations that limited the activity. Mm-hmm. And so the folks whose activity was limited started looking for a new place to go and, and spend time together. And Manchester became one of those spots. Mm-hmm. So Marblehead, Browns Island, mm-hmm. lovely spot. Mm-hmm. Folks were rafting up for a nice afternoon, summertime. And then Marblehead came in and restricted that, especially mm-hmm. the rafting. Mm-hmm. And folks said, let's just go over to Sand Dollar Cove. Pretty mm-hmm. places around. Yeah, so I mean, that's certainly a portion of it. I don't, Correct. Want, to, I don't want to point a finger. To no. Marblehead. <laughs> Correct. Um, but people are coming from all over but people the, are coming the coast so, area. So it's it, not it, just Marblehead. It builds. I mean, so, so sure, maybe some of the, those are some of the initial folks coming over. Right. They right. had a good time. They tell their friends. Maybe they their friends come out of Beverly or Gloucester. Right. So we're getting people from... <laughs> From multiple angles. Yeah, so transient boaters 
Um, and also mixing with folks in Manchester who have been going there for a long time. Correct. So, so. what is the key issue, uh, safety you mentioned, but is it this conflict of transient and resident, or is it really just the volume of people coming on summer days? And it's not every single day. It's mostly weekends, right? right? There, are, There are things that impact the number of boats that can get into Sand Dollar Cove, certainly weather uh, and the tide. There are areas where if the tide is wrong, uh, there's no water to anchor. So it restricts the number of boats that can come in. Uh, certainly uh, cold, rainy weekends, we don't get a lot of visitors to Sand Dollar Cove. <laughs> But it's really it's really a volume issue. It is a volume, a volume issue, issue. Yes. absolutely. Um, you know, the more the more people, the more conflicts potentially. Um, you worry about safety, boats coming in and out with swimmers in the water, um, mm-hmm. people having maybe too good of a time as they're enjoying their boats in terms mm-hmm. of drinking and mm-hmm. and not paying quite as the attention that they should. Mm-hmm. Um, you worry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, adds to the safety issues. Correct. So the safety issues sound like they're compounded, mm-hmm. um, especially right. where it's. Uh, there's a lot of recreation. It's concentrated, yes. it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about recreation um, at that area? Chris, um, what's your experience with just what you see out there? What I see out there is usually people um, anchored and, and having fun. I, I see sail. I love watching the sailboats that go out of the harbor, uh, places like Tux Point. You mm-hmm. get beautiful views out there. And, and uh, I also enjoy the... You know, seeing the boaters as part of the backdrop to, like, Singing Beach and the other Manchester areas. It just, all boaters to me, particularly sail boaters, add just this aesthetic beauty to it. But um, it's it's just good to see people recreating. Mm -hmm. And Sand Dollar Cove is where Manchester Sailing Association is out of. So is it a longstanding um, activity that... Um, so the association, right? So the association comes out of out of Tux Point, and so when they when they first come out of the harbor, Sand uh, Sand is right their yeah. first body of water that they would hit. So for 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 young sailors in particular, it's it's a it's a little more protected area for them. So it's always been a, a nice area for the, the beginner sailors in particular mm-hmm. to um, to get their feet wet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And what um, what other kind of recreation happens in? In Sand Dollar Cove. Well, a lot of people aren't aware, but there's an FAA runway for seaplanes out there. <laughs> that, right. It doesn't that, get used too often. It's not getting used too often. It's not getting um, used on a day that there's no boats. No, <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, paddle boarding and kayaking, two of the fastest growing right. aspects of yeah. boating today. We see more and more of that. Even the folks who are coming into anchor will bring paddle boards and kayaks to right. on their boats. Mm-hmm. Right. Put those on. So uh, I would say that's the biggest growth um, group that's uh, non-motorized mm-hmm. using the area. But we have the occasional windsurfer. You have families that like to tube, uh, tow uh, children on inner tubes or whatever they call them. Sure. The tubing. Uh, tubing. Wakeboard? Right. No. Wakeboards <laughs> yeah, a little wakeboards, bit. Right. Uh, those activities are greatly restricted uh, when... The boats are anchored there. As a matter of fact, they can't do it at all. They can't do it that at all. That activity is pushed out on those oh. busy days. Oh, that's really too bad. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that citizens are having an issue with this? Um, have there Has there been any kind of pushback from citizens uh, regarding the, the volume of boats there and the restricted activities? 
So there's, there's some conflicting um, desires, I think, of, of, of citizens. So they, they're they concerned about the, the growing numbers because mm-hmm. it can restrict the types of activities they may mm-hmm. want to do there, some of the traditional activities of water skiing and whatnot that's harder to do now. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're worried about that because of the volume. But I think people are also, conversely, worried about being having restrictions placed on their use as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the delicate balancing mm-hmm. uh, act that we're, that we're in the middle of and trying to, again, not impose so many restrictions that we're interfering with people's personal enjoyment of the area. Um, but understanding that if we don't put some sort of limits, then no one's going to be able to enjoy it the way they used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the challenge. Yes. Well, there's an additional challenge, and Chris, you're here to speak uh, to um, the the conservation and the environmental impact, mm-hmm. uh, which we haven't touched on yet. Let's let's uh, open that piece up sure. because eelgrass um, is is uh, native to to this area, and uh, uh, um, so w- what is the main issue with eelgrass in in this area, Sandal Cove, and also outside of yeah, the, the there's, we do have eelgrass off of Manchester all the way down toward um, Salem. And uh, the folks at the Salem Sound Coast, Coast Watch have done studies to look at the, the change in the eelgrass beds that are out there. Um, there are a lot of eelgrass beds are really important because it's like a, a big under, underground, undersea forest, <laughs> forest yeah. meadow. Yeah. And they do capture a lot of carbon they sequester it into uh, the substrates that they're growing on, that sort of thing. So it's, and they release oxygen back into the the water as well. So it's a it's it's a vital uh, ecosystem, and it provides shelter and habitat for uh, various shellfish and probably even lobsters. Yes, but I'm fact. not a lobster person. I mean, in fact, trapping does, yeah. person. So <laughs> I don't know where they set their traps, but um, it's an important resource. And it's as as uh, sea level, all these different um, pressures start coming onto a seagrass community, like rising sea level to a certain mm-hmm. extent, uh, raise in temperature, uh, nutrient loading from uh, runoff. Uh, that we get from land, all that puts pressure on the eelgrass as well as the physical uh, impact of, of, of an anchor or a mooring being dropped and, and ripping out eelgrass. Mm-hmm. Um, it does replenish uh, pretty well, is my understanding from the studies mm-hmm. that have been, been done. Um, and there are some communities who uh, actually have heard of an area up in New Hampshire where they're actually trying to replant and regrow uh, eelgrass specifically. So that's about my cliff notes on, on uh, eelgrass yeah. and maybe Bayan can add a little bit to that. Bayan, tell us about the uh, like the mooring situation and um, some, um, and I'll ask another question sure. after that. Well, we do have moorings in eelgrass in Manchester. Uh, we have a, a mooring field, our area seven, our boaters are familiar with that. Um, folks who are assigned seasonally to a spot. And all of those moorings were converted to environmentally friendly systems that have less, little, or ideally no impact on the eelgrass at all. 
Can you explain the difference between a regular mooring that scars the eel grass and these environmentally friendly moorings? Can you go into sure. a little bit more detail? I can. Okay. Uh, your <laughs> traditional mooring is a big block of cement or granite, uh, which has some square footage to it and dropped on the bottom. It has its own footprint that obviously eel grass isn't going to grow through. Attached to those traditional blocks are chain, um, very heavy. Uh, they move around the block as the vessel moves around on the tide or uh, with the wind. And as it does, the chain that's impacting the bottom, which is greater at low tide, lesser at high tide, scours the bottom and creates a scar area. If you look at some overhead uh, shots, uh, on the internet, you can actually see mooring scars. Circles. So there'll be yeah. circles around the mooring. So that's that's your traditional. It's not a huge area, but when you collectively take 70 moorings or however many moorings in the state that are in eelgrass and add them up, it, it uh, adds up to a number. Mm. The, tra the traditional moorings in Manchester were, were replaced with a helical mooring, which is a rod with helices on the bottom and it screws in down to an appropriate depth. They have, the moorings themselves have greater holding power than the traditional block. Hmm. So these are my environmentally friendly ones. Correct. The, the footprint is that big when it starts and goes down to about that big when it's all done. So it's hmm. very small. It's like an oversized screw exactly. that goes into the ground. Right. That's a significant, it significant is. change. And then the tackle is right. kept from it, dragging, right. so it has a float system. Exactly, so uh, modern materials uh, and different thinking on how to set these moorings up, you have a road or rope that is suspended in the water column at all times. If set up properly and maintained properly, that road will never impact the bottom and leave no scar. So the eelgrass will just naturally just mm -hmm. come up mm -hmm. and what happens when you're trying to find a mooring in the eelgrass? Well, so uh, you hope that <laughs> the tackle doesn't fail <laughs> or that your harbor master keeps good records <laughs> of the location so that uh, um, if, if one is lost, mooring service provider can reach out to the town. The town can go out and mark that spot. But these environmentally friendly moorings are not uh, appropriate for all places. Correct. Right. Uh, yeah, there's... Ahead, well, you, I was just going to pop in. We've had occasions where the Conservation Commission has requested an owner on a project uh, use a helical anchor, if at all possible, because they are they have a smaller footprint. So your impact, whether you're in land with shellfish, wherever off off the coast, it lessens the impact. And they try, and the substrate is not correct. There's either too much sand, not enough sand, or it's rocky. So they, they just don't work, and you need to go back to the traditional footprint. Mm -hmm. So take it away, Brian. Right, so, <laughs> right. that's all absolutely correct as far as the anchor itself goes, that, that uh, heel mooring. The road, which is supposed that's to be the other piece of right, it, yeah. is suspended in the water column. If you're talking about moorings in very shallow water, say a couple of feet at low tide, uh, you then have to suspend that road so it's floating on the surface. can become a hazard to navigation. Mm. Uh, it may not uh, 
operate as intended. Yeah. So mm. th there can be impacts. Uh, these, this type of mooring has had failures in other harbors due to poor installation and nitrogen loading that caused algae to uh, grow on the tackle on the road so that it actually sank and caused more impact mm -hmm. to the eelgrass. Mm -hmm. So good maintenance. Maintenance is a key then. Yeah. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, appropriately located. Mm -hmm. so, so a few years ago, um, Bine was, um, was successful in getting some grant money from the state, working with, with the state and replacing in our Area 7 all of the traditional uh, moorings with the, with the new helix, environmentally friendly ones. And we have seen that eelgrass come back in that area. Um, so that's been a very positive um, outcome overall. Mm -hmm. that, that's great. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to ask you about the, the Massport money that yeah. uh, well, the town has received. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Greg, can you start out talking about, like, um, or, or maybe Bayon, I, I don't know who might uh, answer this question. Can you tell us about the Massport um, money that, you, that the town received uh, to help um, bring back the eelgrass? Go ahead. Sure. It, it was a mitigation project by Massport. Uh, the new runway that went in displaced 14 acres of eelgrass in Massport. At Logan. At Logan, at Logan, Logan Airport. 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 Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, tried to replant unsuccessfully and then started looking at other avenues to mitigate the 14 acres of eelgrass. So Massport reached out to all the different harbors all over the state at eelgrass and and our boaters took advantage of that, and we were fortunate to replace all of those moorings that hadn't been replaced yet. There was another program in 2011 to study environmentally friendly moorings that had replaced the few already. But this project, this Massport project, finished that off. Mm. That's great. There's mm. been so, uh, so much... Um focus on the eelgrass, especially given um, the ecosystem, the marine ecosystem mm -hmm. that, it, that it creates. Uh, how does the town work with the Division of Marine Fisheries? Is we, it just related to eelgrass, or is there more in relationship to Sand Dollar Cove? And Well, well there's a whole host of issues. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's different things depending on, for us in the Conservation Commission, it depends. We The project... And we usually, DMF will send us recommendations mm -hmm. that the commission does try to implement mm -hmm. in their orders of conditions for projects. So that's, that's how it plays out environmentally. They, they have a say in recommending time of year restrictions, possibly for fish breeding habitat, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So um, that's how that, it plays a role in, in conservation that way. But I think it also, the other department has a... It, it, it plays a role with what you do as well. Sure. So marine fisheries, for example, uh, is the holder of the grant funding from the Clean Vessel Act. Clean Vessel Act uh, funds all of our pump-out boats and shoreside pump-out facilities, which help all of those Keep boaters everywhere. Yeah. I give mm -hmm. them uh, a method to not pump waste into the water. Absolutely. Massachusetts right. is the gold standard. If I'm not mistaken, DMF's Clean Vessel Act program uh, in Massachusetts, we, we have the highest volume of waste pumped in a state that is in a 12-month 
uh, floating state. That's fantastic. And this is this is for vessels that have right. holding tanks. Holding tanks. Right. Yeah. Can do it. Smaller right. vessels, maybe not. Right. So much. Right. We don't want to get into what. Right. Well, vessels happen. that don't have a head. Right. Yeah. So Correct. Right. Right. We'd be pumping right. up. Right. So DMF <laughs> is uh, uh, they provide guidance and help and uh, resources mm -hmm. in many ways. Good so, partner. It sounds like it. I'm doing great work. I'm um, going back to the the boating traffic and um, and the mooring issues there. Or I'd like to ask you all about uh, solutions or ideas that you're thinking about to make sure that the eel grass is protected in that marine ecosystem is um, moving forward. Balancing that with recreational boaters, transient boaters, uh, the recreation that happens in Manchester and what are some ideas that you're thinking about now to lessen the um, the issue or the conflict that's that's uh, that's here? I think first we're trying to listen and hear what the boaters themselves have to say and what ideas that they may come up with. Um, so a few weeks ago, middle of January, I guess it was, um, held a public forum and just really allowed people to sort of speak their mind about what they see as the problems or, or mm -hmm. not. And, and potential solutions. Um, so the next step will be to um, have the Harvard Advisory Committee. They're meeting in a couple of weeks. The February 13th. February 13th. Um, seven, 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock. 6.30 till 6 okay. hopefully not too late. Um, so that meeting is, is to focus more specifically on, on um, recommendations or ideas for implementation. So a range of uh, ideas. I think, you know, there's one extreme. There are people who don't think we need to do anything that, you know, yes, there's these busy weekends, but overall it's not a problem to another extreme of, gee, we should eliminate it all because um, you want to protect every blade of eelgrass and, and leave it more natural and, and unfettered for some of those traditional uses that we talked about. So the solution is probably somewhere in between. Um, which may be some sort of um, number of fixed moorings that people can use. I'll mm -hmm. let you elaborate. Right. So, uh, again, there's the do nothing or do everything. Uh, the answer will lie in the middle. Yeah. Um, moorings have been proposed in the past to, to uh, put in for visiting boaters to use and eliminate anchoring altogether. Uh, We've had a recommendation from one state agency that maybe a little bit of both might work, but that's what this meeting on the 13th is for. I think uh, it's important to consider that right now Manchester's uh, Sand Dollar Cove is really the focal point for this activity in eelgrass, at least in our area. If we start restricting and making it difficult for people to come there, those folks are going to go somewhere not too far away and start impacting other locations. So mm -hmm. I guess for me, the thinking has is trending toward, let's find a way to manage the numbers Do that we have. Managing in between. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's, if we can keep them here, if we can make it safe, if we can protect the eelgrass, and people can continue to have that activity without sending them to West Beach or Beverly's Hospital Point or 
up to Gloucester to anchor in their eelgrass. Yeah. Or White Beach or Black or, Beach area. Right. <laughs> Wherever they may go. Grays Beach. There right. are lots of different right. areas. It, then it's, it's a better control point. And I also would like to, to get into the uh, awareness has been raised through a certain activities and presentations to the Conservation Commission uh, about the importance of eelgrass and what can be done possibly underneath the Wetlands Protection Act and also the local bylaw. And I think um, the, there are commissioners and we've gotten traction among the commissioners to uh, look at uh, possibly doing some, one of them was a diver and he would, he was very interested in, in diving and, and um, maybe mapping out the eelgrass better, something like that. Uh, another solution that was tossed around was, well, maybe we can identify where the eelgrass is. And then, of course, under the, the regulations and the existing bylaw that we have, the commission is going to take a serious look at what they'd like to do to either increase the awareness of, of eelgrass and, you know, pump it up a little bit. It's there already as land under ocean, um, but maybe there's a, some uh, revisions that can be done. So the, the commission is looking into that. Mm -hmm. They will hopefully follow up. Great. Yeah. Back to the safety issue, we, yeah. we probably will add some additional patrolling this coming summer, mm -hmm. as a, at mm -hmm. least as a minimum increase step, you know, initial right. incremental step of making sure people are being safe out there. Yeah. Well, yeah. given the extent of the seagrass meadow on mm -hmm. the North Shore here from, I don't know, where, where does Manchester it? Manchester down to, to Salem. Salem. That's Salem? a huge yeah. meadow. Yeah. Uh, how are you coordinating or do you know yeah. of a coordinating effort uh, with all of the towns yeah. on the coast to make sure that uh, this, this, um, some of these potential restrictions um, don't um, send other people. Salem, and then yeah, Salem Sound Coast Watch yeah. um, is actually a, a good melting pool for a lot of the information. They've driven the studies there, but I'll let. Uh, as far as harbor masters right. coordinating, I, so I don't know. for the harbor masters, it's uh, safety, 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 and safety first. Uh, the eelgrass issue is relatively new, and I think that the education piece for for all of us, those of us on the enforcement side, mm -hmm. uh, is something that will advance, and uh, hopefully we'll see similar thoughts towards protecting this environmental resource all through the North Shore. Well, that would be a wonderful thing mm -hmm. if it happened. and. Uh, well, thank you for being on Cape Ann Report um, for talking about this very important issue. I wish that everything goes well uh, you. with your public you forums. Um, thank you. And uh, that uh, we'll see, right, in the summer. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, well, thanks for having us. Sure. Uh, Greg Federspiel, Town Administrator, Chris Bertoni, um, Conservation, uh, Conservation Administrator. Administrator, and Byron Pike, uh, the Harbor Master in Manchester by the Sea. Um, for our viewers, please keep in touch. Check us out on social media. And until the next time on Cape Ann Report, take care.